warm welcome to the fifth installment of the Mind Podcast. Joining me is Mary Kyo. How are you, Mary? Hi, Darren. How are you? So, Mary, I'm just going to get started um, by asking you a couple of questions, really. Um, you run your own coaching academy. Could you tell me a little bit more about the coaching academy and how that all started? Yeah, probably. It started, Darren, because I began a journey myself um, of self-development and I stepped under it by accident almost, um, probably in hindsight, look, looking back, it was meant to be because of where I was in my life. And, you know, I thought my life was over and my life started to open up and really open up. Um, everything changed quite quickly in my life, how I seen myself, um, things, I attracted things into my life that never ever thought I would. And through that journey and my journey of finding out who I was and what made me tick and what was missing in my life, I realized that I wasn't the only woman or man that were struggling or stuck with in their own selves. The cage was open, but they didn't know how to get out of it. Um, And I also began um, the mindful parent program and that is part that is an umbrella of my coaching which I am now um, doing programs and seminars regarding the parenting yes um, of the child we always say that you know why doesn't the school teach this and that you know as parents we are the first teachers of our children exactly and you know it's our responsibility so we go back again you know what is your relationship like with your partner um, how do you communicate? How do you relate? And that will tell how you're going to parent your child. Um, and, you know, you have to come meet in the middle. You have to sing the same hymn sheet when it comes to boundaries and nurturing and caring for your child. And um, one can't have a set of roles and the other have a set, another set of roles. You must combine them and, you know, st- stand solid in your beliefs as two. Um, and enrich your children and you know it is our responsibility but we get carried away in the process of having children and we lose ourselves our our relationship as you know husband wife or partner it does suffer it does suffer Um, children get in the way life gets in the way and we forget how to be romantic. We forget how, you know, the romance within that, that coupling that brought us together. You know, the, is the fire still burning in you when you yeah. see your other partner? Or you just roll your eyes and think, oh, there he or she comes again. Or she's going to start or he's going to start. You know, what is lacking in your relationship? What have you let slip? Yeah. No, because all things got on in your life completely agree with you obviously I have two young boys um and don't get me wrong they they sometimes try to play one off the other you know I work up in Belfast a couple of days a week so I'm I'm gone so it's basically Chloe who's in charge my partner and uh, yeah you can tell that they can certainly try and twist your arm and and play one off the other but it's it's vital that teamwork that team bond um, because kids are like sponges they just yeah. they absorb everything mm-hmm. um, and I think you're completely right there there needs to be that connection and almost like an adult agreement going you know we we have to be firm we have to yeah. have to have a, a bit of a structure they have to go to bed at a certain totally. time totally have to agree with structure it. is paramount in a child's life um you know we're in a society now where electronics gadgets all these electronic things that's what's parenting our children. That's yeah. where our children are learning behaviors and patterns that has really taken hold of them and has really grabbed onto their, their subconscious has grabbed that. So our children are struggling to communicate. There are actually some of them that are struggling even in school to write their name or speak because there's no communication, there's no conversation. You know, we sit them in front. Of, and, and, you know, I have been guilty of it too, Darren. I'm not sitting here. I've been guilty of it. Yeah. You know, sit them in front of TV, get them the latest gadgets. And, you know, I can tell you now, because mine are adults and I'm looking back now, my children will talk more about the times that we spent together. Of course, it's the Not memories. the gadgets, yeah. not the thing. And, you know, as parents, we have to be responsible too, you know. 
and I'm guilty as well of sitting with the phone. And I think we're all guilty, Mary. Yeah. Um, and that's we're... what we're showing. Yeah. That's what we're showing our children. That's what we're saying. It's okay. It's not okay, Darren. No, I know. We're depriving them of their imagination, of their fun, of their connectedness with parents as parents. And, you know, I'm a real big advocate of, you know, you were given the name father or mother. That is a precious privilege to hold that name. Yeah. You were given someone to love, to nurture. You're not your child's best friend. You are the parent. Exactly. Just while I have you here, um, it wasn't part of this question, but it's just sort of spurred me to think of something. Do you think high levels of kids being exposed to likes of digital technologies like tablets, phones, TV, computers, anything at all, that's developing something within their brain that they become addicted to in a sense and they need it? But it's going to impact their mental health moving forward Mm -hmm. as teenagers, as young adults, and even into their adulthood. Darren, I was like, my children had all the latest gadgets. I'm not sitting here and preaching. Oh, my, I was guilty of it. Um, Communication was null. Their educator was that tablet or that game or that PlayStation or that Xbox. And if it's the last thing I do and what I want to do, I want parents to know that this is a gift we've been given. This child is a gift. We have an obligation to nurture that child in the natural surroundings that they're in, the beauty that's outside, the the interaction between parent and child or child and child, not sitting in front because they do, they lose those social skills. Social skills are gone, you know, and their electronic gadgets are their parents. They believe everything they hear and see on that. Of course, yeah. And parents become like an object. Yeah. And we are responsible. We do it. Darren, we allow it to happen. And this thing of saying, you know, oh, he's my best friend. She's my best friend. This is about their children. They are not your best friend. Anybody can be your child's best friend. They have friends that are their best friends. Not everybody has been given the privilege of being their mommy or daddy. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. But Mary, tell me this. So with the um, coaching academy, how how do people approach you and how do you start that journey for them? Um, obviously, people are coming to you because they understand mm-hmm. that there's something lacking within their mm-hmm. family lives. Yeah. Um, how, so how does that process start? Well, you know, I started off very gradually, Darren, and now it has really like taken up so much speed, you know, I private, I have quite a number of private clients and they range from people that have lost children. They have no self-esteem. They have addiction problems. They have, um, they're in a relationship where there's domestic violence, um, where their self-image is rock bottom, where they are controlled by other people and things and they've lost their identity and they feel their life's over. Um, I guide them through a program which I've created myself because I have been there. Every person that comes to me, Darren, I'm speaking back at myself because I see myself on that person. Um, There's not a situation that somebody's going to shock me. There's not. And at the end of the day, the real fundamental thing is that we have all these answers deep, deep within us. We have all that we desire and need deep within us. We don't know how to access them. We don't know how to implement them in our lives. And once you begin to implement and understand these things, your life changes. My life changed. I mean, the woman I am today is like thousands of miles away from the woman I was a year and a half or two years ago. Um, And I'm at a point in my life where I believe that, you know, I've been given a second chance in my life and I have an obligation to share and allow people to know what it's like to live a life where you are not restricted in your thoughts, where you are not controlled by other people or places or things. You know, I was attached to people. I was attached to places. And when I looked back and realized I wasn't in control of who I was because all of me was attached to external things that took up all my energy, all, anything that was good. I didn't see it. So I became very insecure and very needy. I seeked a lot of approval. 
and I struggled. I really struggled. I struggled with my marriage. I, I struggled um, just being me, Darren. I was very insecure. I was very lonely. I felt I'd failed as a mother. You know, I felt when my children grew up um, that my life was over. I had nothing. I'm sure I had done my job. And yeah. um, I'm here today and it's so far removed. I'm doing more now than I ever, ever imagined I would ever have done. Um, I also believe that, uh, and for me, I believe that, you know, I tapped into, um, some people call it a power greater than, than themselves, God, a higher spirit, whatever is their understanding of yeah. that. And I do believe that through working on my self-image, that I connected with something more powerful than, than was Mary, the physical form. Yep. Um, I aligned with a very, um, a very deep connected inner Mary. There was more to Mary than the, out, the outward facade that everybody's seen. Um, Mary, the inner Mary that I call her, um, the higher self that I am, um, is so unique, so beautiful, so strong, powerful. And when I connected, I began to see my gift of who I was unfolding in front of me. Sometimes unfolding, that wasn't always nice, Darren. Yeah. But, you know, I had to unfold all those bits and pieces of, of that wrapping to get to that gift. And today, you know, I, I stand really powerful in my own space. And I, I don't say that with any kind of ego or nothing, I, I'm actually very humbled when I, I say that because yeah. I believe that the person that I always should have been has come to the fore. Um, we come into this world perfect, but through our homes, our peers, parents, or whatever happens in our lives, that begins to create the person that I have become. Yes. Um, and not everybody, darn, has... Um, a lot of people have really good um, childhood. I didn't have a bad childhood, but in the process of growing, you know, and the environment that I was in, maybe school or whatever it was, I didn't think very much of who I was. Um, I, I didn't like me. I felt so insecure. You know, I felt I didn't like being in crowds. Um, I didn't want anybody to talk to me because I used to literally panic. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? I never felt enough. Do you think that's maybe how we're conditioned growing up through life? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're saying, it's a parental thing. It's, you know, how our parents tr treat us in a sense, yeah. you know, if they don't give us the attention and need. Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, in later life, you sort of develop this insecurity and, and need to have other people um, mm -hmm. before your change. And maybe that boils back down to some of the things that you didn't get when you most needed it. You needed nurtured as a kid. You needed yeah. developed and things like that. And it's so true, like, Darren, you know, don't get me wrong, my parents did their best, that you, as they knew how to do their best. Yes. But they were bringing their history of their childhood and their parents and how they were parented, and they brought that into their relationship and their children, and they parented. And it's history, repeating history, repeating history. It's really until a generational somebody, thing. Yeah, and it really is, Darren, you know, we're creatures of habit. Yeah. So habits, you know, become part of us. I broke that ha a habit. I, I was the change. I was the change in my home. Um, you know, my children are my world and will always be my world. But looking back in hindsight, you know, and it's, hindsight's a great thing. If I'd had known now, if I had known them, I'd have known now. Oh yes, my God, life would have been wonderful. But I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you, Darren. Yeah. Um, I had two. I have two sons and two daughters, and you know. They were my world and or they are my world. But um, looking back now, did I nurture them in a, a wholesome whole way? Did I allow them to create their self-image, to create the person that they want to be? No, I, I cocooned them. Yeah, I, I put them under this wee shell so that the big world wouldn't touch them or wouldn't harm them. Um, you know, when I said, you know, don't be taking drugs, drugs is bad. I preached that. Don't be taking drugs. Don't be taking drugs. Don't be taking alcohol. You did it. I preached it constantly now. Yeah. And little did I know, I was planting a seed in their heads. That was the total opposite. Of course. They went Just, for it. 
just before we do move on to delving into your story a wee bit mm-hmm. deeper, I just had one more question for you in regards to some of the stuff that you're doing actively within your own community mm-hmm. and wider. Um, so obviously you've got the, the coaching academy, which mm-hmm. you've set up through a lot of hard work and effort, really. Yeah. Um, and it's your, your passion now and it's yeah. who you are and it's what's inside of you, which mm-hmm. shines through in this podcast, Mary. But um Having did a bit of research before we met here today, um, I believe you also write an article in the Dairy News. Is that correct? I've just started that. They, um, you know, they would have followed me on Instagram. Um, I would do lives on a Sunday evening, every evening. I've done that now almost a year. Well, a good seven or eight months, maybe. And I bring on just normal everyday people. You know, they're, they're no big celebs or they're no, they're just normal everyday people that we we see in the street or whatever and we chat about their lives and how they've transformed their lives they come from all walks of life I have had mummies daddies teachers business people I've had gay people on and I've had all walks of life on and you know down the real core of all of this is we're self-image yeah that's what we struggle with and they speak about it and they speak about their journey, where they've been and where they are now. And, you know, it is quite popular because people identify with authentic stories, the real that's stories. Exactly. They identify with it. And that's part of the reason for doing these podcasts. Obviously, mm-hmm. the main thing behind it is mental health and, you know, the yeah. human brain and how we work as people. But with connections to addiction a number of other yeah. things um development as a human being this, these are all the things that i want to stir up and i'm passionate about but yeah. i can completely agree with you even with your article in the dairy news it's having someone who's been through it who they can connect with yeah. directly which opens the door for them to go okay i think i'm ready now to tell my story because i've built up so much trust in this person that yeah. i can now approach them and tell mm-hmm. them i've never been able to do this before i think yeah. that's a really empowering thing and that's why it's essential that there is people like you there's people out there that is a, are a listening yeah. ear but also a role model for other people coming through similar things mm-hmm. in their lives that they can resonate back to yours yeah and that's right darn like you know when people come to me i i see me sitting in front of me because i know their story because i've 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 journeyed that story as well. I have their pains, their hurts, their isolations. They're not enough. The majority of people just feel they're not enough in life. Um, I tell my story quite honestly. I don't hide behind the door. Um, What I say is my life. Yes. I leave myself totally vulnerable to that because in my vulnerable state, I believe that is where I grow. And in that growing I'm also giving somebody out there that beacon of light to say, she's speaking my story. She understands. I can really identify with her. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised at the number of people that identify with my story that right away it resonates with me. Um, you know, and I've started to do maybe like workshops on Zoom. Um, I had my first one last week. And it was the mindful parent. And, you know, it was a very emotional workshop because, yeah, I laid myself open, vulnerable. You know, we cannot heal if we live in the secret. Yeah. If we put it aside, we're never going to change. You must speak your truth and speak in your truth and trust in somebody in that truth. You just don't tell anybody. Um, You'll find somebody that you'll, you'll connect with and say, I believe she'll understand what I'm saying. And, you know, and speaking your truth and where you're at, that's when your healing begins. That's when you begin to connect with the woman and man that you should always be. And, you know, woman, man, there's no difference. We all have the same emotions. We all have the same feelings. The thing that maybe pulls me more is men, when men feel this upper lip sort of stuff, you know, big boys don't cry. Big boys do cry. Allow them to express their emotions. Men, and you know, more so men than women, their emotions are like verbal. They cannot, like they are like that all the time because they do not know how to express. 
because again, generation after generation after generation, big boys don't cry. Man up, man up. That's so wrong, darn. Of course it is. And that's that's part of the reason for the Mind podcast is Mm -hmm. to try and strip away that stigma. You know, um, I can completely agree with you. Going through going through my uni days were really difficult, dark times. Um, during my university time, mm-hmm. I struggled with really bad anxiety. But you, you weren't going to tell another roommate that you had mm-hmm. in the house. I lived with four, three lads, including myself. So that was mm-hmm. four of us. And uh, you just couldn't open up. You just couldn't tell so them. Sad. And then you would isolate yourself at the weekends. I didn't even go home through fear of you know, what other people would think of you. Um, they would judge you. They would think you're weak. They would think, you know, you know it, it's just what plays in your mind. I, I just find, Darren, you know, that, um, you know, we see these men and we have created these men. We have created these bullish men. Like, you know, let's go for a pint. Let's go for a drink. Let's go. And I can tell you, once you struck those men back to what's really and their heart and their soul, there's a very lonely, lost boy yeah. that's crying to get out, really crying to get out, to be heard, to be embraced, to be loved. But because they have that name on the man, they're not to do that. And it's wrong. It's cruel. It's not the proper cycle of life. We were not brought into this world to be silenced, no. to allow our emotions to be boxed in something, you know, Women are more outwardly, you know, more enabled. And I don't know whether it's because they have had children or I don't know why it is, Darren, but women seem to be able to explain themselves and, you know, seek the help. Men struggle. And I would just love that stigma just to be ripped apart. Men have a right to stand in their power, to be the emotional, spiritual being that they were created to be. Exactly. And I, I don't think I really started to open up until our oldest, Zachary, he's six now, until he was obviously born. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went through that cycle that you've just discussed. Mm-hmm. My, my granda went through the Second World War. Um, he used to work at the docks in Belfast, among other things. Um, he would have drunk in Belfast City mm-hmm. Centre. Then obviously my dad's, my uncle's, they've, they've grown up in quite a challenging environment mm-hmm. where this has came through generation to generation and like we were discussing at the start of this podcast then it it gets instilled in the kids as well Um, and this is just a vicious vicious circle Mm -hmm. Um, and this is why we need to push forward and move out of it because it can continue it really because you know your son will look at you you're his hero you're his world you're his everything he will look to you and he will mimic everything you do And that's why, you know, when I speak to fathers or whatever, you know, allow your child to see the softness, to see the gentleness, to see the fun side of you. Not this hard man that provides and big boys don't cry and your son falls. Get up there. You're a man. Boys don't cry. Harden up. That's wrong, wrong, wrong. We are here to be emotional, spiritual, fun loving people. And I'm no different because I'm a woman and you're a man doesn't make my emotions any more important or valued than yours yeah no i couldn't agree more and i think hopefully anyone listening to either this podcast or any of the podcasts can can sort of understand this and understand we are all human beings um we do we we have a sensitive side and that Mm -hmm. needs to be exposed Mm -hmm. um because that is real do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean that is and it's like darren you know you know men feel oh my god I can't go and seek help of somebody. Nobody needs to know your business. Nobody needs to know what you are doing to help you enjoy and embrace this. And it is a beautiful world. It's a beautiful life we've been given. But because of conditions and limiting beliefs and behaviours that we've grown up with, it has stopped us. It has stopped us from expressing that, which is so natural within us. And, you know, I would say to any man out there that's listening to this here, if you are struggling and you cannot find peace within yourself, go get help. You don't, nobody has to know whether you're going for help. That's your business. 
Exactly. And, you know, let everybody else mind their business. You mind your business. Mind your business. So your business is to take care of all that you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Mary. Um, so what I want to move on to next is I want to delve a little bit deeper into your story, if you don't mind, Mary. Yeah. Um, if you could start off by telling me about the, the start of the journey, when it started to really uh, spitball and, and you knew that, you know, things were going downhill rapidly. So I have two beautiful sons and I mean beautiful sons and they were my first two. My two boys were my first two. I nurtured them. I loved them. I took them to anything they wanted to go. I took them football, music, scouts, whatever was going, my boys went and I, I chauffeured them around. Um, and as I said before, you know, when they were growing up, you know, I would say, never touch drugs. Drugs are bad. And I preached that nonstop, Darren. That was like a mantra to me constantly. And yet, little did I know that I was putting that under their subconscious. Drugs, try it. Drugs, try it. If I say don't, I'm going to try it. So I was doing the opposite of what I wanted them to do. I nurtured them. I put them in bubbles, you know. The outside world wasn't going to touch my boys. And looking back now, I did the boys the biggest service ever. I did not allow them develop, to develop as young, healthy, emotional men. Um, I wanted, I was being selfish, but I thought it was love, but it wasn't. I was being selfish where I didn't want nobody to hurt or harm my boys. Um, and my boys took that road. My boys took the road of drug and drugs and alcohol. And I found it, my world had stopped. And I mean stopped, my world had crumbled. Um, gone were my beautiful two sons. And in their place was the craziness of addiction. Yeah. My home became a battlefield a war zone, I became their victim. And I thought this was just a, accept it, Mary, get on with, this is what it is. You have two sons, addicts, and almost resigning myself to the fact that, you know, if they thump me, if they strangle me, if they knock me down, if they, they're verbal abuse, um, it was horrible, you know, physical and verbal abuse. Um, and yet in that darn, it wasn't my boys that I was seeing. It was the addiction. And it was one of the most hardest things in my life. And it went on for years. Um, one of them did, of his own bat, did go and seek help. And he's clean and sober over three years. My other son did struggle. And he was my firstborn. And he was, you know... Your firstborn is always that something, that connection. Yeah. And he really struggled. He really, really struggled. And it came to a point that my life was put in danger. And I had to detach from my son with love. And that was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life because my son was my world. And... He was such a lovely boy growing up. People complimented on his manners and how, how he was with older people. He, had, he was just a lovely, lovely fella. And that all turned around when he turned 18. But little did I know it was going on before he was 18. Um, mommies don't see their child doing any wrong. No. And unfortunately, you know, that was going on and I didn't know. And that's why, you know, people say, oh, but he isn't. And I go, but he is. They are doing, you may think, oh, they no, they never, they do. And Darren, they seek out that company. That's the company they seek. Yeah. That company never came looking for them. They seek that company. Um, my life was put in danger. I'm sorry to interject there, Mary, but do you think that some of the responsibilities there laid within the society that your son was brought up in as well, not, not coming from the family perspective, but, you know, was there support? Pressure, 
there's no, and you know I can tell you darn I went left right and center I took my son to counselors to psychiatrists to mental health I paid privately I yeah. done it all there was never no follow up there was there was nothing meaty there there was nothing there was no real program all I could get was there's a waiting list there's a waiting list and that waiting list wasn't two or three weeks that wait, waiting list maybe was one or two years and you know looking back and probably and in the mix of all that darn I lived with the fear that you know I had a brother that had committed suicide when he was 21 that was constantly in my yeah. head what if my boys do that and one of my sons did attempt it um and that destroyed me was there any help no there was no help darn and, you know, there is an epidemic in our country and all countries, but it's been constantly swept under the table. There's an epidemic of drugs and alcohol. There's an epidemic of mental health. Yep. The money has been spent in the most silliest and stupidest things that you could ever imagine when that money could save a life. I couldn't agree could more, Mary. I honestly couldn't and agree I more. And I get so, you know, I look at our young men and it's, it, it is our the majority is our young men, as our men. And we go back again, Darren, to their emotions are being blocked. They're being bolded under a box and it's been put on tight. They can't express. Young men cannot express their feelings because once again, that's now big boys don't cry. And do you think the drugs were a way out for both your sons? They, it, was a, it was a way to escape. And even though it was momentary, it yeah. was a way to escape for them where they didn't have to discuss this. And that's why they gravitated towards these people that wanted to do the exact same thing within society. And they weren't all good people. Do not get me wrong. I'm mm -hmm. sure there was, there was ones that were going to make money from your sons by yeah. selling them more drugs. Mm -hmm. um, and that's rife within yeah. most communities now. You know, Korean's affected badly yeah. by it. And the target is young people. And young people don't think, especially with the education failing them as well, young people just, they don't have any avenue to go down. Um, mm. Let's take an, a, an example here, Bally Sally and, and Corian, like kids are looking for ways out and really all they've got is drugs or paramilitaries. They're the only mm. two choices they have as kids growing up. And what future is that for them? But Darren, as a society, as individuals and societies, we have to stand and make answer yeah. because we are responsible. We are responsible for where our young people are going, what they are doing, what they are seeking out. We as adults are responsible for our children and we are failing them. And you can't blame one another as a society as a whole. We are failing them. You can't say, oh, well, that group failed them and that group failed them. We as a whole are allowing our children and we're watching our children going down a road that on most cases there's no return on that road i suppose the the difficult part there is there are people out there trying to make change there's people out there actively trying to help mm -hmm. especially younger people that are going through these situations but the overall problem and the one that we keep coming back to here is mm -hmm. overall society is feeling as a whole because it's like a jigsaw puzzle. All the jigsaw pieces aren't together. One person's doing this thing, spending money in this area. Exactly. Someone else is doing this thing. And there's no collaboration. People no. are not working together in this no. country. And that is the problem. And it boils back down to our government. Yeah. Because we have the Green Party and we have the Blue Party or whatever. And they niggle. And I, it, I don't even watch them anymore, Darren, because they're futile, childish behaviour. And it is childish behaviour that the blue and the green and they argue back and forth and it's like playing tennis back and forth. Yet in the arena outside, our children are being lost to drugs, to addiction, to fear, to isolation, to, to things that they should be enjoying their life. They should be full of life and energy. And it's constantly wiped over. Let something more important to talk about. Let's do this. They jump from A to B to C. They can't stand in their own power. Yeah. They're like puppets. And if a member of their party says something that they don't agree with, well, they have to back down and go with that. They have a responsibility. They have been voted in. 
and they have a responsibility, each and every one of us, to give us what we need to create a society where we can live in harmony with each other. It doesn't matter what creed or colour you are. We are all children of God and we deserve our right and everybody all equal, nobody any different. I suppose, Mary, this brings me to my next point, and it's a generational thing again, even with our government. Mm -hmm. The government 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago were making the same mistakes that the government today are making. That's right been a change and it's the same so it's a vicious vicious circle and I suppose this brings me back to your story and sort of what happened with your two sons um so we've now identified a couple of the reasons that Mm -hmm. could have affected and impacted them Mm -hmm. as young men growing up so talk me through the journey middle and end how you know how difficult it was for you as a parent because I think from our last conversation before we organized this podcast was the parents get overlooked in the sense that it's all about the people who are affected by addiction Mm. or, or mental health, but no one looks at the parents who are Mm. there picking them up every step of the way. They're trying to get them the support. Like you're saying, you were bringing them to uh, doctors, the hospitals. Everywhere I took my boys. And I felt everywhere I went, the door was closed in my face. When there's addiction of any kind within a family, it's not just the addict that suffers. There is a mother, there's a father, there's a brother, there's a sister. There is a family unit destroyed. And that, again, it goes further and further and further and it spreads out and it spreads out and it spreads out and it affects all of society. But those people that are left watching their son sitting, struggling with addiction or mental health, darling, because mental health is in the same power, because mental health is also a family disease. Addiction is a family disease because it affects them all. And yet with puppets and stormont, narking over colours or whatever, whatever silly. And there is families and the majority of families Nowadays, Darren, are affected either with drugs, alcohol, or mental health. Mm -hmm. But that's not important. That's not important for them. That's not an issue. They're happy to spend money on silly things. And the parents that look on and see see any kind of reality in their lives is gone because they have now taken part in the interaction of addiction. They're part of that. They didn't want to be, but their child's an addict. They love that child. They die for that child. So they step into that arena of addiction with them. Yeah. And I suppose it was like you were saying from the start, as a mum, in the back of your head, you know what was going on, but because you loved them so much, it was almost like you accepted it because you didn't realise how bad it was becoming or how bad it would get. So you thought, look, they're kids, this will pass with time, hopefully. But you didn't really understand the extent because no one told you. No one told you how what your life would look like over that span of time. I didn't know, Darren. You You weren't educated in it. Exactly. 100%. We are not educated as parents. We are not educated. How do we cope or what do we do when our child becomes an addict, when our child has mental health issues? What do we do? What do we do when we see our child sitting, struggling to get through a daily uh, task in life when they're struggling with mental health? When they're stuck in a room or they're silenced, they can't speak, they can't express how they feel. And I go back again. I go back. The majority of these are our young men and men in their 40s and 50s. Mental health doesn't choose an age. But it does choose and verges more on the, the side of males than women because men again history generation shut up shut your mouth man up get on it so of course it's going to build up and build up the more it builds up the more we suppress it and the more we push it down and the more we push that down the more we lose control of any re- reality or understanding of who we are so you know 
where is this going to end? Where is the help? I don't see no help coming, Darren. You know, they talk about we haven't funding for this and we haven't funding for that, and yet they can find funding for other things, which is less important than mental health or addiction in our young people. I think the problem is the government do not want to get their hands dirty. They do not want to make these decisions. They want to make the easier decisions, which, you know, it's easier to spend money doing this on infrastructure. It's easier to spend the money doing that. But they're not stupid people, okay? They know this is a growing epidemic and it is affecting so many people now in our society. And it's it's it boils back down to us and what you were saying collectively we're all responsible mm. but we are the ones that vote these people in this yeah. is the problem so it's it's mm. like a even a more vicious, vicious circle, circle. Now mm-hmm. because if we keep voting them in change will never happen never never ever and if we keep voting on the same old story the same old history the same, same old, promises. old promises. They come to you and we'll promise and we'll do the minute they get your vote. Your promise and what they're going to do for you is out the window. It's blue and green. Yeah. And that, that is it. And, you know, we, we never came on this world or we were never created to be blue or green. We came on here and we were created to be, to be the person that we were created to be. But through history and through our upbringing and all those challenges that comes, that creates who we are. And we, we stand on a box. Sometimes we have a couple of boxes and we jump on and out of them. One day I can be happy, one day I can be sad, one day I'll be, I'll be a drug addict, one day I might be an alcoholic, one day I have mental health. There's so many boxes and it's like a bag of dolly mixtures within our community. It has been opened and there's been an explosion yeah. and nobody can rein it in now. And it's out of control. You know, the people in Stormont, get your blinkers off. Get, you talk about COVID. You will not get a vaccine. You may get a vaccine for COVID. There is no vaccine coming down that track for what's coming out of COVID. Mental health, addiction, abuse, um, children being abused woman, men being abused, the things that's going on behind closed doors during COVID is being hushed and put onto the carpet. Just let's get this injection. Yeah, no, that's it. Plus unemployment and yeah. all the yeah. women within our hospitality sector who are going to go under after this next six week. They don't lockdown. care. They're not going to, but they don't care. They exactly. Care. They really don't care. They're no. getting their wage at the end of the month down and they go home and they put their feet up. There are some of them, I would say, are genuinely hardworking and do do their best to do whatever. But at the end of the day, anybody that's furloughed or anybody that has lost a job, they're not going home with a guarantee of a wage in their pocket at the end of the night. They're going home to a wife or children, maybe looking for food, looking for Christmas presents, looking for... And they argue about in Stormont or in Westminster, will we get a rise or won't we get a rise? Yeah. How degrading for the ordinary everyday person in society that is really struggling this Christmas. And you know what? We could just look there and they're they're everywhere to be seen. We don't have to search for them. Yeah. No, well, I would emphasize that there are some fantastic counsellors, MLAs out there that are doing some fantastic work, especially around mental health. However, they are banging their heads against mm-hmm. the brick wall because even when they present this to the executive, it's the same old story. So yeah. without getting too bogged down about mm-hmm. it, Mary, um, because I know we've covered a lot in the government yeah. there, um, but bringing it back to your story then. So tell me how from your two sons, obviously going down that ro- road of addiction. Yeah. Um, where are they now, Mary? Um, I know you had mentioned that one of your sons, you've, you've sort of had to move away um, he's back in my life oh, now. He's back. That's he's back and he's a fine young man he's a fine young man and you know I am a proud mommy I really am even through all that madness and craziness and mommies and daddies and you'll know that when you have your own child you know when you connect your eyes with your child you don't see that addiction you see yeah. that child that of child course. that you brought into this world was it tough? It was really tough, darn. I'm not sitting here. I had a rough couple of years. It came to a point that, you know, my thoughts became so negative that, you know, I thought I'd be better off dead. I, I failed as a mother. I failed to get my sons the help they needed. And I just felt 
I wasn't enough. I couldn't do what a mother should have done. I lost any kind of feeling or emotion for who I was. I just wanted a quick fix of getting out of this because the pain was unbearable because my sons were addicts and I couldn't fix them. That brings me to the next point, Mary. Was there any support for you during these difficult times? Did anyone reach out to you? Was there any support through organizations or were you just left to battle with this yourself? I was left to battle with this myself and to be fair and to be honest, Darren, it was like a dirty little secret, a dirty open little secret. And that's the way a lot of us mothers love. We pretend it's not there. We know it's there, but we, we, we cocoon it and a box. We don't let other people see it. You know, it's this old thing, you know, in Ireland, Northern Ireland, you know, don't you tell anybody what's going on on here, but it goes on on here, stays in these four walls. Nobody else needs yeah. to know. But that's, and a, that's the reality. It's society as well, because not mm-hmm. only there in Derry, but also in, here in Korean, mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, what would Vivian down the road there think of what's going on mm-hmm. here? Do you know what I mean? We're so consumed about what other people think. Exactly. That's where more stress and pressure mm-hmm. comes in mm-hmm. and it affects your mental ability mm-hmm. and, and all the rest of it as well. But we are, we're conditioned when we, we grow up to be better than our next door neighbours to have mm-hmm. more likes. And that's right, you know, and you know, everybody would look, oh my God, they have a wonderful life. Not everybody has a wonderful life, darling. It's a lot of baloney because yeah. we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Nobody knew what was going on behind my closed doors. And that's why today I choose to speak because I know there's people love this life that I loved and are afraid to speak out. Yeah. And I can say you will never heal in the environment that's hurting you. Never until you stand and say, I can't do this anymore. And I really mean that. I, it came to, I couldn't do it. And I was lost and I just happened to come across a person that was doing something and it took me on a journey of finding out who Mary really was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't nice. Times it was very difficult, times it was very painful. But you know what, Darren? It was worth every minute of it, every single minute. Because, and I can't emphasize this more, what I got, you have. Yeah. Joe down the street has, Mary down the street has, we all have those natural natural tools gifts that lie within us you know I I call it my medicine my natural medicine and it's not spoken enough about and you know we go to a doctor and it's a quick fix of of medication I've been there I've had that too I'd only suppress what's really going on in me what's going on in me is in my head and I need to clear my path I had to clear my path I had to clear my history yeah no exactly um and i think moving on to our next question then which will tie in really nicely with that journey Mm -hmm. that you'd been on and i know how difficult and challenging that journey was Mm -hmm. but how do you continue to learn and develop as a human being as an individual as a woman as a a life coach do you know darren i learn every day by my clients that come to me I learn, you know, that I have, and the more I do this work and the more I expose myself to reading, to teachings, to discipline and Mary. And a big thing for me, Darren, was discipline in my thoughts. Because I could have created a Rocky Horror movie in my head and I was the main actor and it could have been an Oscar winner but it was only me was watching it. It was only me was acting it. I don't do that today. I'm very, very careful of who I allow under my thoughts. I'm very careful that I don't allow anybody to rent any space in my head free. If it doesn't serve me, I move on very quickly. And that's not been cruel. I became selfish. But when I say to you, I became selfish, Darren, I started to look after Mary. And when I began to look after Mary and nurture Mary, I filled my cup up and when I began to fill my cup up, it started to flow out on the other people quite naturally. I didn't go seeking, you know, most of my clients came to me. I never at the start advertised. Um, I could only speak my truth and my truth was somebody else's story. Yeah. I think even from speaking to my last guest, guest Gary Deveni, he said the exact same thing. He says, you know, he, he gets a lot of people that are talking about him and, um, you know, who does he think he is? Mm-hmm. And 
he's selfish and Gary's going, I'm not selfish. I just know where I want to go. And basically what he says is, you know, I'm not being selfish to hurt anyone. I'm just being selfish to get me to where I need to go. And people would make you feel bad about making choices for you as a person. But until you get you right. It's so right, Darren, you know, and it's like, you know, what is your value? What value do you put on yourself as, first of all, for me, as a woman, as a mother, um, what are my standards for me? I can't have standards for other people and expect, oh, like, who does she think she is when I don't know who I am myself? So what's my values for me? What's my standards for me? And where do I see myself within my society? And me, and you know, you'd be surprised I'm sitting here. I'm a mommy. I have to cook, cook, clean, wash, iron. You know, I do all those normal chores. Um, I just feel that I've been given this, but it's something that, you know, and I do believe to the day I die, I, I will take this and I, I don't care how far I have to go with this. I would, a year and a half ago, Darren, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. But I believe that there's something powerful within me today. And it's a force that's taken me to places where my story is, is igniting something in other people. And it's making them realize I do deserve to be the best in my life. If you've no if I have no respect, and I did have no respect, Darren, for me, if I have no respect, no values, no standards for Mary, I have no respect, no value or standards for other people. That must start with me. Yeah. Today I hold myself very, my standards are very high. I value myself beyond words. I'm priceless. Nobody could buy me because, Darren, there's only one of me. There's only one of me sitting here. There's only one Mary. I'm the only one of my thoughts. That's it. I don't, I don't know your thoughts, Darren, so I yeah. can't get it into you. And, you know, I would have been one that was trying to force things and make things right and fix people and, you know, make sure everything was okay in the home, that, the, you know, there was no arguments. I had nothing to give. I was eating crumbs of the table. That's how I fudge it. Crumbs of the table. I don't eat no, more, no crumbs anymore. They've dried up because crumbs don't serve me. Yeah. And, you know... This isn't just for me. Every single human being has the right to be and feel the way I am today. And if anybody is struggling or anybody feels they're lost, reach out and get help from somebody. Talk to somebody. Be, become the best version of you. Because once you do that, I do believe I've been given a second chance in life. I firmly believe that. And the second chance at life is going to be the most amazing life that I can create for me. Fantastic, Mary. No, it's it's really inspiring to see where you've kept come in your own personal journey. And it really comes out when you're talking to me as well. You're really passionate about what it is that you do. And you as a person, um, which I think is essential and key um, in your development and your learning. So that ties in nicely with that last question. But Tell me, Mary, what has been your biggest achievement to date and how do you think that has happened? For me, Darren, and I sit here and I'm not being ego, my biggest achievement achievement was fighting Mary. And I genuinely mean that. Um, I actually love the Mary that I am today. A year and a half, I couldn't even tell you what kind of person looked out at me from the mirror. I knew I looked in the mirror and I'd done the usual things, the brushing of the hair, the makeup, the teeth, the whole works. But could I tell you who or what that person was looking back at me? No, Darren, that that person looked back at me had no identity. I couldn't look at that person and say to you, oh my God, that's me and smile at me and be really happy. I firmly believe today when I look in that mirror or anybody looks in that mirror, that person that looks back at you is your answer to all your dreams, your hurts, your pains, your joys. That person is your shadow. That person is your higher self. That person will create the best version of you if you just allow that person to become the best version. Nobody has your back, Darren, only you. If you have you, I am the master of who I am today. I am the creator of how my life is unfolding. Um, I don't depend or look for approval in anybody anymore. Um, I don't seek it. 
because I'm enough for me today. I stand very blessed and very humble in the shoes that I stand on as Mary. I don't try and stand in anybody else's shoes, which I spent my most of my life trying to do. I don't try and fix people. I do guide people. I do give them the tools that they have so naturally within them to create the best version of themselves. And when I look in that mirror today and every morning when I get up, that woman looking back at me is the be all and the end all of Mary. And that is my higher self. That's amazing, Mary. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. I'm going to throw one more spanner in the works. Um, and I think you've covered quite a lot of it earlier on in the podcast. But what has been your biggest challenge that you have faced so far in your life? And how have you overcome that? Um, for me, I have to be honest, my biggest challenge was when my son, my sons became addicts. Um, and that was a big, big challenge in my life. It was almost where it had broke me um but something on me changed and I also have two daughters two beautiful daughters and and as a parent I owed it to them do you think do you think during the time obviously your sons went through their difficulties do you think your two daughters were left in the shadows yes and has that impacted them in their lives obviously Um, hopefully they've come on a journey now where it hasn't, but do you think it's had any impact on them? It did have an impact on them, Darren. There's no point in saying, and that's what I say, when there's addiction in a home, it just doesn't affect the, yeah. the addict. It affects every member in that family. Um, the thing that changed, I was the change. I was the change. I was the change in my home. I was the change in my life. And when that happened, my home became I mean, you come into my home, my home's so calm, it's so peaceful, there is a feeling of peace in it. My daughters are rounded young women because they now see not the fearful, lonely, rejected, lost mommy. They see a very strong, powerful and resilient woman standing in front of them. And if there's anything that I'm grateful for is that I took that journey and I allowed myself to stand in that space and my daughters are also going to be that kind of woman as well because I am their teacher I am their role model and they look at me and they tell me how proud they are of me today and if I've done anything right I've handed them and I've shown them that you can be whatever you want to be and it's by changing your thoughts your environment and it's a true saying show me your friends and I'll tell you who I am yeah and that is such a powerful statement no it is indeed mary and look i really appreciate you sharing that with me i've got one final question because i know we have went a long journey here with the <laughs> podcast and look i really appreciate your time really enjoy engaging with you Um, i think you're really inspiring to listen to and to tell your story um, and i've actually taken a lot away from this podcast today even for myself Um, but what i want to leave you with is If there's someone tuned in listening to this podcast and listening to your story that is going through similar difficulties and um, obstructions in their lives and they can resonate with basically everything you've just said here today, what advice would you give that individual? The one thing I would say, anybody, and I mean anybody out there that's struggling because I struggle with mental health as well, mental health addiction, whatever it is, don't sit in the shadow. Don't sit in the darkness. Give yourself a gift today, yourself, and go and search out someone that will understand, will guide you, will not bring you down. Everybody, and I mean everybody, darn, has a right for their story to be heard. And everybody has a right to know that they can heal that story. They have that power within them to heal their story. A massive thank you to Mary Kyo who has joined us on the Mind Podcast, Mental Health in a New Direction. And we can't wait to bring you our next episodes, which will be dropping soon. So stay tuned.